All right, well, hey, folks, uh, it's Eric here, and I want to thank you for tu- uh, tuning in into today's installment of Two Nerdskies in a Podcast. Um, before we get to the episode proper, I wanted to take some time at the top of this to address a f- specific matter of sorts. So um, as you may have heard me mention in previous installments, we record a lot of our episodes way in advance so that on the chance or the off chance that uh, me and Jeff need to take a week off from recording new material you know, there's always a new installment to release. So uh, today's installment, we go back to the Tremors franchise with Tremors 4, which we recorded like all the way back in uh, February of 2021. And so here is where I need to um, provide an update on a topic I brought up during that initial recording. So um, in that recording, I mentioned that there's a really cool nonprofit Spider-Man fan film being made. Um, It's called Spider-Man Lotus. It dives into more of the psychic of Spider-Man, and it takes place sometime after the death of Gwen Stacy, just to give you more of an idea. I definitely go into more details in the actual episode, but the main point is that at the time of the recording, the film had made basically its major funding goal via Indiegogo as of February of 2021, and that I wasn't sure if funding and perks were still available, if that makes any sense. So... Not to worry, Um, as I speak and record this part, uh, the filmmakers who set up the the project, uh, they set it up on Indiegogo as an in-demand, so that means that uh, the project can keep continuing to accept funding past its initial deadline, and in case you're wondering, you still get the perks depending on how much of a monetary donation you make. So let's say you donate $5.00, you get a like a shout out or whatnot, and you're listed in the credits. And I think if it's if it's like ninety nine dollars or I think two hundred, um, you get something. You get a really great bonus package. Um, so if you're interested, very much check out that. Um, if you would like to contribute to this really cool nonprofit Spider Man fan film and get perks, um. I'll leave a link in the episode description, um, of course, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and, of course, on YouTube. So uh, speaking for myself and Jeff, um, I, we're really extremely excited to see this fan film once it's finished, and uh, it uh, it looks great. I mean, I've seen the suit that they made for the Spider-Man fan film, and it looks incredible, um, fantastic, uh, or dare as I say, amazing, spectacular, that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah. Uh, please, if you're if you're interested, definitely um, uh, go ahead and uh, go ahead and uh, <laughs> um, go check it out and uh, see if uh, see if you want to fund it or not. Um, but yeah, you definitely should though, definitely should, because uh, I think this project's gonna be really something special. So, all right then, Jeff, please cue that intro. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Whoa. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan. I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited. Yeah, baby, yeah. Ever dance with the devil in the pale Inconceivable. Cowabunga. I thought this was a party. It's two nerdskies and a podcast with Eric and Jeff.
everybody, and welcome to Two Nerdskis in a Podcast, the one show where two nerdskis come together and talk about everything that's pop culture and everything else entertainment. This is a very badly impressioned voice of Sam Elliott, and I'm going to cut it off now. <laughs> and that's, uh, yeah, that's my impression of Sam Elliott, ladies and gentlemen. You can hate me now all you want. So anyways, I'm Eric. I'm Jeff, and uh, I want my 30 seconds of life back. <laughs> uh, love you too, buddy. Love you too. But um, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody, for a brand new installment of the show. Uh, how are you doing, good sir? Not too shabby, man. Cannot complain. Cannot complain. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm doing. I'm doing all right. You know, life can always be better than usual but you know it is what it is so you just gotta roll with the punches and move on as it is so that is that but um so jeff what movie are we talking about today and why am i sounding like that i have no idea i don't know what the fuck's going on right now <laughs> sometimes i don't either dude <laughs> Okay, um, we were talking about Tremors 4, The Legend Begins, and this was the final installment of the franchise that was released by Stampede Entertainment, and uh, this came out in January of 2004, so this would have taken place, or, uh, so I, I believe when, uh, I believe when they were filming the final couple episodes of the Tremors TV series, which debuted in early, uh, early 2003 uh i believe there's a couple episodes in there where michael gross has a uh he's either not in the episode or very limited role mm. and that's because he was filming tremors 4 that's that's what guys are filming this at the time yep exactly okay. and tremors 4 actually is at least uh the conversations i've had with people it tends to not be very well liked it uh, doesn't have the best reviews. It's kind of considered middle of the road. So usually uh, usually the consensus is, is it's either okay, some people love it, some people think it's the worst in the franchise. So I'm really curious on what you think. Well, before we get there, Jeff, I'd like to take this time to talk about something a little uh, little different or so. So, Oh, my God. Um, at two nerdskis a podcast, two nerdskis in a podcast. Stumble there. Uh, we like to give a notice to you know small time filmmakers or whatnot. And um, there was a filmmaker I'd like to acknowledge. Um, his name is Gavin J. Knop Knop or Knorp. I'm sorry if I'm really I mispronouncing your name here, but I like to recognize him because this man um, is living the dream in terms of wanting to create short films or make a film, if you will. And um, the reason I'm bringing him up is because, well, Jeff, how big of a Spider-Man fan are you? I would consider myself uh, a fan of the character. I admittedly have not read too many of the comics. So pretty much my most of my exposure through the character has been through film. Mm -hmm. 
No, I mean, to be fair, most people who follow the character isn't isn't traditionally through comics. It's mostly been through um, the animated series, the various animated series that the character has been in, all the video games, especially the movies. Um, I'm I'm curious if there's anyone out there that their very first introduction introduction to Spider Man was Japanese Spider Man. That would have been. I would love to talk to someone who who's like <laughs> introduction was to that Spider Man, like, Ambassador of Hell, Spider Man, Leopardon. Dun dun. I think we have a future episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, probably. But so, anyways, <laughs> the reason why we're bringing this up is because this guy, uh, Gavin, he is directing a short film called Spider Man Lotus. Um, prior to this though, he, he's, so this guy is a very, I follow him on Instagram. This guy is a true fan of Spider-Man. Like this guy absolutely gets the character. Like he not just reads the, he not only just follows the movies, the TV shows and the games, this guy reads, lives and breathes the comics. Like this guy truly fucking nails the character. Like in terms of like how he understands it, um, how he understands him. So fun fact. So before Spider-Man Lotus, he did like there's he has a series on his Instagram that basically gives like his uh, concept of what a Spider-Man TV series would have been like. And so um, and it very much follows the comic. Um, It has vibes of Smallville and um, definitely the Raimi trilogy, but more in terms of like Smallville in terms of uh, being raised up as a hero and whatnot. but so anyways, uh, after that, he started this project. And uh, I remember when I first saw the suit that they came up with, I was blown away. And Jeff, I know you I know you've seen the suit and I knew you were in, super impressed by how well the suit looked. Right. Absolutely. So so they recent. So for about a couple for like several for at least a whole month, um, Spider-Man Lotus has been has been funded on Indiegogo and their goal was uh, $20,000. Um, and this is, I mean, obviously it's beginning a lot of attention, um, not as much as attention as I would like it as I think it should, but definitely enough attention. But um, they were, I mean, they were flexible in terms of like how they would do this movie in terms of if they didn't have a certain budget or whatnot. But so I'm happy to say that the budget overall was twenty thousand dollars. That's their goal. They made twenty. They made twenty thousand seven hundred and ninety nine dollars as of this recording. Woo! They have definitely made their goal. So let me read you some of the milestone goals. So, um, well, basically, well, here's what the plot is, um, according to this. So, following the tragic death of his former girlfriend, seemingly caused by his own attempt to save her, Peter Parker, played by Warden Wayne lingers in his guilt of the past, questioning whether the curse of his alter ego should be buried for good. When he's met by the news that a terminally ill child has requested to meet Spider-Man, Peter contemplates the decision to comfort him in his final days. So, I mean, the story is obviously inspired very much by two important comic book um, stories in the comics, Spider-Man Blue, which deals with the fallout from Gwen Stacy's death um, and then the kid who collects Spider-Man is about this kid who is terminally ill and he's like this biggest Spider-Man fan out there. And so, um, 
So they're very much going for a more psychological and melancholic, melancholic uh, life of the character. Um, I'm, I'm told there's still going to be plenty of action in it, but um, so let's go see some of what the milestones were. Um, let's see what we got. So 5,000 was a linear study focused on Spider-Man, but a limited, but limited by a smaller cast, no action, only a simple drama driven by Peter's internal struggle as he faces his own flaws. A 10,000 was more of a look into the mind of Peter on a larger scale, allow, allow for, for us to bring a key character from the world of Spider-Man into the story. Um, it would also follow for small CGI sequences. At 15,000, this would allow for a more fulfilling supporting cast for from the full script, all building into the themes and stories and elevating it to a whole new level and it with more CGI sequences. But now that they've reached 20,000, let me read you this. This is the full version of the film that we have wanted to and live in for years. While it's an ambitious goal, it would allow us to adapt all of our ideas, the grand opening sequence, complex characters with their own struggles and flaws, and a satisfying conclusion that embraces the message of Spider-Man. And I am really excited that, you know, that the full 20,000 has been made, and I'm pretty sure it's going to make a little bit more um, after this. So I'm really happy to see that this is happening. And I'm sure you definitely are. As far as I know, I think based upon what Gavin has said in his Instagram page, or at least on his um, Indiegogo like video, I think it's going to be up for free on YouTube. I mean, for sure, this movie is not for it's definitely nonprofit. So uh, he's not out there to make money off of this. He's simply there because he wants to tell a story featuring his all time favorite superhero. And I think his work definitely deserves the attention. Uh, it so neatly deserves. Um, so how excited are you for this project, Jeff? Well, knowing, uh, knowing what, how we wanted to, how he wants to tackle the story. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested because especially if, if there's a, if there's a fan film that gets this much support, then I would just kind of feel shitty not to, see it and support it myself you know yeah i mean i mean this is kind of shitty of me because i haven't i haven't really donated anything to it i really feel like i sh i mean they definitely reached their goal but you know as of the as of this recording there's only there are there's still seven days left so they definitely have more than enough um but if anyone still wants to they definitely can i mean any amount helps um i definitely know <laughs> I don't know if I, <laughs> there's definitely, yeah, there's some, definitely some good bonuses out of this, but, um, maybe, well, I'll just, I'll let you see the, um, I'll post a link to in the description for the Kickstarter campaign, um, for anyone who sees the perks or whatnot. Um, I don't know, cause I don't know when this recording will come out, but yeah, I'm really happy to see that Spider-Man Lotus is out on, is or it's it's reached its goal, and I'm really happy that uh, we're finally going to see a full version of it. So uh, I really just want to give uh, a shout out to Gavin and his uh, project, and I'm really looking forward to see how he tackles this. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's uh, Spider-Man Lotus, and now back to Tremors Two. Uh, yeah, that's that's my spiel on Spider-Man, but. Expect more Spider-Man talk in the future. I know some people, and I, I mean that in the seriousness because um, a lot of people are wanting us to talk more about Marvel movies and um, 
I mean, while it's not an MCU film or um, at least the Sam Raimi movies are still Marvel movies. And so we're going to get to them in due time. But anyways, Jeff, um, I don't know if you still wanted me to talk about my feelings about this, but yeah, I have. Here's my thoughts about Tremors 4. Um, so, yeah, I also kind of mimic the same kind of sentiments as everybody else. So you kind of so you thought it was okay? I mean, it wasn't like horrible. It wasn't like bad either, but like it was kind of like more in the middle for me. It didn't really, it wasn't like the worst thing I saw and it wasn't the greatest thing I saw. It was more, eh, but I mean, there are definitely parts of it that I really did enjoy. And let's, so let's really get into this. So, um, so Tremors 4, Back to Perfection, it's supposed to be a, prequel to the entire series so this takes place way before the events of the first film and um we see that the ser- that the movie starts in 1889 in perfection or rather rejection in this case which by the way uh fascinating uh first name for a town right and it makes sense i mean because look at it right <laughs> like that's the shantiest town i've seen in the old west you know pretty much so but here's what i here's what i like about it you know i think setting it in the 1800s is a genius method for keeping things fresh because it's the night because you have 19th century technology it's not like you can just throw pipe bombs at the graboids and whatnot and just it's a one and done story no we've seen that happen so how do you keep it fresh let's go back to the beginning where not everyone's so technologically inclined or whatnot so you have more industrial technology it's not 20 if or 21st century technology you're using 18 you're using 19th century um style weapons and tech and you have to use more of your brains and wit um and i think that's a good way of keeping it fresh um and i i'm sure i have more for it but i don't know if you'd like to off for anything to that uh well let me start by saying that I am actually I guess part of these smaller uh smaller portion of the consensus. Uh I actually really like this movie and it might be my third favorite in the franchise. Uh I mean I I still need to watch uh uh cuz it, it's it's been a while since I've watched uh uh, five and six, and I've only seen a seven once. Uh, so, so we'll see if those shift at all. Mm-hmm. But what I admire most about Tremors Four is honestly the uh, the way that it portrays the characters, and that's always one of the. I, I always felt like that's been one of the highlights of the first four movies. Was that you know even if. Uh, as they as they go on, you know they get a little. Uh, they're definitely not as good, but you can tell that there's still an effort to portray interesting characters. They they're always. Uh, I mean, especially especially in here, mm-hmm. because I actually liked pretty much every single character. Uh, I loved. Uh, uh, what's the actress's name? Uh, Sarah brought yeah Sarah Botsford Christine Lord. Or Miss Lord. 
Yes. And I really liked her performance in this. It felt very natural. It felt mm-hmm. very, uh, I don't know. Like I got the impression that all the actors, you know, took the roles very seriously. And I like that there's these little, there's, there's always these little moments between the characters throughout the movie that mm-hmm. kind of, uh, it it creates a believable scenario that they all have this tight bond uh, with each other and with the town, which I think is part of the spirit of the original movie. Uh, even though it's this janky middle of nowhere town, uh, everyone everyone kind of uh, it is tight with with each other, and e- even if they don't really uh, convey it that much, you know. But. Um, Let's see here. That's something written down. <laughs> I'm fucking this up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Here, at, well, let me. Well, let me. Um, while you're doing, let me actually take over because um, so I so what what I like about this is that you have ancestors of certain characters. Uh, the first ancestor you see is Pyongyang Cheng. So this is Walter's. Uh, I, I guess he'd be his great great grandson or what? I mean, great great grandfather or whatnot. And mm-hmm. I have, and so it's him and his wife and his son that run, um, that run Chang's Market, um, and Chang's Market. So it looks the same, by the way, except it has a tent set up. So the town's not fully built, unfortunately, at this point. So, but that goes to show just how much, uh, perfection's going to look like in the future. Um, a slight but- improvement. It's a, sl- <laughs> a slight improvement, <laughs> not by much, unfortunately, but it is, it is a, it is an improvement nonetheless. But, um, yeah, you have a, you have a nice crew. You have a nice cast of crew of characters. I mean, you mentioned Christine Lord. So she runs the hotel there. Um, you have, uh, Juan Padilla played by Brent Rome. Um, he's a local farm hand handle there. Um, he's a, he's a pretty good guy. Um, he's very much. He's very much like the everyman or whatnot of the town. And then you have uh, Tacopa, who's the uh, Native American of the group. Um, well, actually, adds- uh, going uh, going back to Juan, I'm not quite sure if this has ever been confirmed, but I've always wondered if he was the, if he's uh, Miguel's ancestor. Ah, good question. Because I think... Uh, very good question. Because I... Uh, because Juan says that you know he uh, you know he, he wants to he wants to build a ranch, and mm-hmm. I I think Miguel in Tremors three said that he he had cattle. Oh yeah, so that is a good question now, isn't it? I kind of want to find that out later because uh, that actually makes really good sense. So real quickly, uh, I guess not real quickly, but since we well we are talking about the cast here, but um, let's talk about the star of the movie or whatnot. And that's good old Michael Gross. Michael motherfucking Michael Gross. Gross. Michael Gross is back. This time he's not playing Bert. He's playing his uh, his his ancestor, Hiram Gummer. He's a well. He's a he's a wealthy man from Philadelphia, and he comes out. Th- so basically, here's what happens plot wise. So he has a silver mine in in rejection. Um, and then all the workers start dying. And then the rest of the workers are like, fuck this. We're out. We're not working here. And so the town is becoming very deserted or whatnot. And so at the end of it, you have you have um, 
the Chang family. You have Juan, you have Christine, you have good old, old Fred. And that's about it in terms of the rest of the town. And then you get to, and then that's when Hiram shows up and he's Hiram is very much in the beginning, not like his great, great grandson in the slightest, um, which I think makes for some pretty great comical, um, great comical moments. Although I will say, so I remember when he spoke and I remember one of the first things he said, I'm just like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> and so I have it written here in my notes and he, and he goes, I feel I've not been privy to critical, most needful information. And I'm like, your grants, your great grandson said that, <laughs> except he said, I feel I was denied critical need to know information in Tremors 2. Well, I think what because uh, what I think makes uh, Michael Gross's approach to the character interesting is that, um, for one, I think it showcases uh, a far greater range of acting that that he's able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even if uh, even though at first he, he's pretty much a dick to everyone, and uh, but but as it goes on, you know he uh, he starts to. Uh, starts up on with the residents of, of rejection and uh, and there's there's actually uh, there's a moment that I wanted to point out when uh, it's right before the mini graboids come out and mm-hmm. uh, it's a little moment that Juan and Hiram share by the fire how they're just kind of d- discussing their their upbringing how uh, how Juan basically had nothing uh, grew up without a father and uh, and then Hiram is, you know, just kind of discussing how he never had to work for anything. And and I don't know. I, I think that's what makes me appreciate this movie a, a little more than uh, than I normally would for. A movie it's like definitely this. more of a character. Sorry, sorry it, I didn't interrupt. But oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's you're definitely good. more of a it definitely feels more of a character driven movie this time around. Don't you think it, it really does? And that could have. uh that definitely could have made or break the movie, but I think, I think these actors are doing a very good job, and I think they, uh, I, I think they really do, uh, do well at basically carrying the movie. Uh, even mm-hmm. though you have, uh, you have an attack scene in the opening and at the twenty minute mark, but the regular graboids that you would expect to see don't show up until, I think, exactly an hour into the movie. And yeah, because the I mean the smaller graboids they show up in like within the first twenty four minutes. Yeah, I actually, t- I actually like paid attention to the the time uh, yeah, when I was like, watching that. Because I think in Tremors one, uh, the graboids make their uh, grand appearance. I think right at the thirty minute mark. How long is uh, the first Tremors again? It's uh, I think this and four are around the same runtime, like just barely an hour and a half. Interesting. Well, I mean. This okay, so we should preference. So, it so this is since this is a prequel, we don't see ass blasters, we don't see shriekers, we just see traditional graboids. But we do get to see a side of the graboids that I do think is critical, and I and that's the um, so when they're born, when they're hatched from the ass blaster eggs, they are still they're still graboids, but I like how they're like baby little mini graboids and. Apparently these apparently when they're babies, 
uh, or smaller ones, they can, they're like able to jump out of the ground and whatnot and get you that way, which I thought was pretty unique. Also, let me just import, let me just say something real quickly. I was very happy to see practicals again. Yeah, I was about to bring that after up. Two move, after at least a full movie full of CGI and little practicals, it was very nice to see mostly practicals. In it, it was a complete 180. Like, I, I think... I mean, because I, I was watching the movie very carefully for any CG shots, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple, but not a, but not a lot. Yeah, there, there's definitely a couple. Um, but I, I like how, you know, because in Tremors three, they had this not very good CGI in literal full in the very front of the frame in the mm-hmm. in the complete foreground, and so you, and you know, I'm watching this on Blu-ray, so able to analyze every little detail and it it looks worse than than ever and that's just because cgi especially from 20 years ago now it's just gonna look dated oh for fuck's sake i i I cannot tell you how much i fucking agree with that um i mean so i mean the baby graboids when they jump out of the ground of course they're practical you can kind of tell the dirt effects are kind of practical. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that looks like reverse photography, uh, but just I don't know if they just didn't film it at the right frame rate because it, it did look a little awkward. But mm-hmm. but what I what I just like is that it's a complete return to form back pretty much like back to their roots. You know, there's the puppets, animatronics, the miniatures. Uh, it looks like that there's some compositing shots with uh, uh because there, there's that one shot of, uh, you know, like once they go, they go over the bridge and then the Graboid just kind of tunnels right under the bridge. If I, I actually kind of like that shot quite a bit. That, that, that was, was a great shot. Yeah. And, uh, and so what I think they what I think they did is just uh, composited the, uh, you know, the, uh, the live action shot and then a miniature and just kind of just kind of slapped it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think the. What was I, what the fuck was I going to say? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. No, I, okay. Total brain fart. Uh, so what I think uh, the effects do best, uh, the animatronics, the big ass Graboid animatronic. I think this may be the best. I don't want to say the best uh, because the first, it looks so freaking good in the first movie. But all the animatronics in this movie look fantastic. And the uh, uh, they give like a kind of a different sound design to the Graboids this time, like a more uh, like a bubbly. It It's very hard to describe, but it uh, it, it helps it sound more like a, like an organic creature. And mm. it's uh, just small little touches like that. And. When Billy, uh, uh, when Billy Drago comes in, we'll we'll talk about him in a moment. When he's being, <laughs> oh yeah, we'll get to him in a moment. When he's being eaten, and you just see this, you see an actor getting consumed by this large puppet, basically, and just through the way it was shot, the way that they utilized sound and Billy uh, Billy Drago's acting, mm-hmm. it's uh, comparing that to. 
how uh, how some of the kills were done in in the third movie, where it just looked phony. And what I do like is, because um, uh, actually, now that I think about it, that one shot of the uh, like r- uh, right before Christine comes in with the horse, and uh, r- right after Black Hand Kelly is eaten, and mm-hmm. two graboids uh, pop. Uh, pop out of the ground. I think that's the only time two graboids have been uh, in the same frame. I'd have to rewatch that again, but I I don't. I or don't maybe like like one one small shot in in Tremors one, I think. But it, it it's like a blink and you miss it because uh, because mm. in, th- in this time uh, or this time around they they hold on the shot and you get to uh, see them in. Uh, I don't know. It was just a random thought that. that no, 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 no. It, it's it's a it's a good thought uh, to say at least. Um, but yeah, no. This is a, a. I I love that they went back to practicals because that's what made the first one so special. Um, although I will say there is one composite shot that I was just like, uh, <laughs> and that I'm like, what? That's so noticeable. And that's when uh, Hiram like uses the cannon to kill one of the graboids and i'm like that is ob- he, that yeah well, that graboid is obviously not in the ground <laughs> that was composited and you can totally tell and i'm like well that's not fucking unobvious at all and i'm obvious is not a word but man i i love the uh i love how they killed the last graboid we'll get to that but but yeah i kind of want to talk about Hiram Gummer for a second. Okay. So, very much a far cry from Bert. Let's let's break down Bert. Bert is a survivalist. He is very resourceful. He loves guns and he is very much all about the information. Hiram is all about the information but is a coward and a dick and <laughs> And and uh, knows nothing about guns and uh, being resourceful, or whatnot. He's just a dick, and is like, I'm. I feel I've not been privy to critical, most needful information. But you know what? I do like that because it shows a different side of Michael Gross. Because in my eyes, here's what makes this movie work for me. So this is more of a character story. Yeah, we mentioned that this is more character driven. And I like to see that this is more of a um, story of Hiram Gummer overcoming his um, uh, obstacles and his um, shortcomings shortcomings to become this guy who eventually will rise up to defend people that he didn't really care for that much originally. And now here he is. because because yeah he's not very much into guns he slowly gets into this guns so and then he built up all this courage to stand up and help defend rejection in the end um that is great for me that's what i really enjoy the most is seeing hiram turn into this wealthy douchebag into this guy who cares more about the people than himself that to me says a lot and I, that's the reason why this movie ultimately works for me in the end, even though I wasn't truly I wasn't truly like all invested into the movie that much. But um, in Bert's place, 
I mean, if even though Michael Gross is in that, we have the legendary Billy Drago. May he rest in peace as Black Hand Kelly. And Jeff, would you like to talk about Black Hand Kelly? Black Hand Kelly is a godsend. <laughs> Billy Drago chews the fucking scenery, and you can tell he is having a blast playing this character. The moment he walks in, he just he just perfectly embodies a classic bounty hunter, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's Billy Drago. Like, uh, can we talk? Do you want to talk about Billy Drago for a sec? Because this guy has had a very prolific prolific career. Um, I mean, he so he passed away in June twenty fourth of twenty nineteen. But before then, he was like. And a crap ton of things. A so he lot. was in Brian De Palma's The Untouchables. He was in Clint Eastwood's Pale Rider. He had uh, recurring roles in Charmed and in the Bruce Campbell uh, series, the, the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which I know that Jeff absolutely fucking loves. Um, am incredible. I right? <laughs> yes, it is. This man played a lot of dicks. And when I mean dicks, I mean a lot of bad guys. And when he played somewhat good characters, it was and they were all very anti-heroic or whatnot. So, but if you saw this guy, you would think that, oh yeah, this guy is playing a villain or whatnot. Um, one of the last things I saw him in um, in recent memory was um, was in Michael Jackson's 2001 music video for "You Rock My World," and. Um, but that, but again, that's just a small quiver of what he's been in. Yeah, this man has been in a crap ton, at least over a hundred credits. Uh, this is one of the greatest character actors um, I've probably ever seen. And like Jeff said, he chose the absolute fucking scenery out of this role. Um, I, think he, he, I think he's only in the movie for fifteen minutes, but yes, he's not in it for very long. But damn, but he leaves a very impression. yes. Absolutely. So Black Hand Kelly is this. So at this point, um, before he shows up um, after. So what happens is um, the baby graboids eat the protection that Juan and Hiram have hired to um, dig out the baby graboids or as they're called in the movie, dirt dragons, because they're not called graboids. It's not. We haven't gotten to that part of history yet. So they're like, let's hire a gunfighter, a very professional gunfighter. And Black Ken Kelly is in to uh, answer the call. And um, obviously they have no money to pay him. Um, But this is actually a good moment for um, Hiram because early in the movie, Hiram is like, so it's revealed that Hiram's kind of broke. He doesn't really have a lot of money left. So he's kind of like, so he, he doesn't have a lot of possessions and the possessions that he does have are very valuable to him. So in the end, in order for the good, this is part of his journey into being into being more in the interest of others instead of himself. He gives up his cufflinks and some of, and a gold coin just so that they can be just so that they can get the protection uh, rejection needs. Um, and so when they go hunting, obviously um, I love how black Ann Kelly's like, you need help to get on a horse. Are you ridiculous? 
<laughs> and then and then um obviously obviously uh Hiram doesn't know how to fire a gun. So he gives him a pepper box, which is or as I like to say, a fucking pea shooter. <laughs> and um so when we see the graboids, when we see the classic tongues or tentacles of the graboids, um so they can't they're camping out in like a a muling station overnight. Mm-hmm. And that's when the graboid tentacles start attacking. And so they're just like, what the fuck? And so they start shooting at him. And so you have Hiram. No. So you have Juan and Black and Kelly shooting with rifles and revolvers. And there's Hiram with a little piece here just going. Pew, pew. And it's like, what? You said to use the gun I was more comfortable with. And Black and Kelly's like, you know, I did say that, did I? <laughs> so like right before his death. So up until his death, like. That he's giving him a quick rundown, like you're. I learned twenty. I'm. I'm trying to show you in twenty minutes what I learned in twenty years. And he's trying to show Hiram how to shoot a gun. <laughs> and he, the way he shoots it sideways at first, like, what are you trying to do? You're holding. It, you're, you're trying to hold it like an idiot. <laughs> it, again, this goes to show the growth that Hiram goes through. Because uh, um, I love Hiram's choice of firearms later in the movie. But yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I do. So, yeah, I love how much like how in the first Tremors, it's very much like Jaws. You don't really see the Graboids until a certain amount of time in the movie. You're built for that moment. You're building up for the characters. You're building up for the tension. And then when the reveal happens, it pays off very much how it did in Tremors 1. And it worked in Tremors 2. Not so much for Tremors 3, unfortunately. Let's be honest. And so you get to Tremors 4, and it pays off. Uh, the Graboids are there, and it's practical, and I fucking love it. And, oh, <laughs> again, I love how, like, uh, Black Ann Kelly's trying to show Hiram how to shoot. And then when it gets to shooting, it, they're just like, well, here we go. Psh, psh. And uh, you got consistency. <laughs> well, you got, yeah, uh, you got consistency. That's how Black Hand Kelly sounds like. He's like, well, you got consistency. <laughs> um, yeah, this is uh that was a great moment. Here's what I liked. So like <laughs> I love how I love how um Juan doesn't know how to use Morse code. So he's just trying to figure out how to just tap the how to just tap it or whatnot, or how to use the telegram. <laughs> and back in like Chang's market, they're just like what do you think's going on? That doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> At least they figured it out it's from the Mulan station, but uh, I'm like, fuck yeah, they friggin' they're figuring it out. Um, but here's what I like. So obviously, graboids, they're not stupid. They learn. Um, they they pick up things pretty quickly. So I love how like in the morning, they slowly just like picking away from the floorboards. And what I love is that like. I I didn't write it down in my notes, but I'm just like, I remember the way that they're just like, well, when they bring the floorboards away, they're at least stacking them nicely to each other outside, which I thought was pretty funny. They're just <laughs> like, yeah. Do you remember how they're like stacked up? I just thought that was just like, well, at least they're like, all right, we're, t- we're taking it. We're separating it. Like, and then, uh, you're determined. We're yeah, <laughs> they're like floormen. Exactly. And so they have a little bit of floor left and then like, they think they've gotten a graboid, and then um, unfortunately, Black Hand Kelly gets eaten, and there's his fifteen minutes. And but like I said, dude, or like we said, fucking champion, um, Billy Drago. Like I said, 
undeniably excellent at his craft. And I'm really glad that um, he was in this movie because he offered a lot. And I think you can see a lot of what Burgummer is in Black Hand Cully. Would you, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's part of me that, uh, that kind of questions, Oh, what would it be like if from the start, Michael Gross was, was the Black Hand Kelly character, essentially just this badass bounty hunter. But at the same time, that would kind of, Potentially make it feel a little more repetitive because it would just feel like, oh, you you just stuck Burgummer in in the old West. Mm-hmm. And uh, as much as that would be cool to see, I think they made the right call in the direction that they uh, that they took Hiram to mm-hmm. kind of give him a character evolution as the as the story progresses. And it's one of the driving factors that I think makes it a really kind of an unexpected experience that uh, when, when you're watching tremors four and you're, you're getting a little more than you anticipated in terms of the, you know, in terms of the character department and being that the actors are all pretty much doing a a fairly good job. Mm. I I think that's extremely commendable. And someone who I don't think uh, got enough credit was director SS Wilson. Uh, he was originally a screenwriter on the original film, and uh, and actually the entire concept of Tremors came from S.S. Wilson. I believe he was in uh, he was in the military as a photographer. Uh, I could be getting that wrong, so if I am, I apologize. But I think he was he was sitting on this rock, and he basically questioned to himself, "What would happen if something was pre- pre- was preventing me from getting off of this rock?" And that just kind of evolved into Tremors. And he ended up directing a Tremors 2, which is, mm. I mean, according to IMDb, aside from uh, a short film he made in, in the 70s, which I'm assuming was was like a student film of some kind. Uh, I don't know if he went to film school or not, but uh, Tremors 2 is a very competent movie. You know, oh yeah! Like some have even said, this could have been released in theaters. So mm-hmm. for technically a first-time director on something like that, very commendable job. And being back for Tremors Four, I think his direction got even better. If if I'm being honest, uh, he does. Uh, he does. They do a really good job at recreating the 1800s. It it feels like a. I mean, I don't know how historically accurate it is, but you know, from someone that's not an expert in, in that field, it, it sold me. It, it definitely sold me that, okay, this is definitely 1889. And the way, uh, the way he uses shot compositions and how he, uh, the, uh, the, the decisions to go with all of the, all the practical effects and the way, uh, the way that he basically, is able to get these little moments between all of the, all of the characters like that. Uh, like when Mrs. Chang just gives, gives Juan the the hat he, he's been looking at for a while, but could never mm. afford uh, just small little moments like that. You know, they don't amount to much, but the fact that they're there, that the, the decision was made. I just, I picture someone who cares very deeply about 
about the the franchise the that, little details that that he helped create and mm-hmm. uh tremors 4 was actually the last movie he ever directed and which i think is a shame because i i do think uh i do think he's a very talented individual and if he ever decided to to direct again i i would definitely watch it is he still around by any chance he he is he is okay. um i don't know what he's been working on as of late because uh, Stampede Entertainment, unfortunately, uh, closed down. Their website is still up, though. And what's kind of cool is that on that website, there's a there's a huge FAQ uh, forum where oh really uh, SS Wilson himself is answering a bunch of questions relating to the franchise, going over uh, the first four movies, the the TV series, uh, some of his comments on the development of. Uh, of tremors five uh before mm-hmm. uh before it became uh bloodlines uh because that movie had a very long developmental process and the fact that he's uh i don't know that that just tells me that he uh he was very immersed in this in this world and i think that uh when we when we get to the tv series uh I think uh, I think that's definitely on full display because he was he was heavily involved in the in the TV series and uh, him and Brett Maddock, I believe is his name, because uh, I think he directed Tremors three and was S.S. Wilson's uh, uh, screenwriting partner. So they could have wrote the first movie together. I, I believe they did. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ranting, but or <laughs> not ranting, but rambling. But um. <laughs> What I think, uh, one thing I wanted to also touch on was uh, the music, actually. So this is the third time in a row that composer Jay Ferguson has uh, has has done has done the music. And oh, really? So this was so um, was he the same? So because we know, I know we mentioned in our first review for the first Tremors that it was there was originally a more of a country score and then it became more, and then there was an orchestral sound to it as well. Is Jay the original guy in this case? No, he, no. uh, because he was brought on during tremors too. uh, uh neither. Okay. Yeah. Neither composer from the original movie came, uh, came back. Uh, so what I, what I appreciate is that in every movie that he composed, he, takes on a different style with the music. Uh, you know, in Tremors 2, it uh, it definitely has the uh, almost like mariachi style to it, where it, uh, it's really trying to sell you that, hey, this takes place in Mexico. And- well, what I love about that is just remember um, the mariachi music that the Graboid, the radio Graboid... <laughs> Yep, <laughs> that's I my that song. That's my, yeah, I was like, I know that. I like that song. And they're like, Ah, the truck, the truck. <laughs> and uh, then in Tremors and, and three, it's Tremors three kind of has more of a. I wasn't a fan of the score in that one, really. To be honest, that was more of a. It was really of, more of a country vibe. It was more of a kind of a techno tech yeah, game, exactly. Which, well, then again, that came out in like two thousand and one, right? That's when yes. the movie came out. So I think techno music was more of a thing back at the time. So yeah. that's why you had that score for that movie. Here, what I like is that it's more I think I think I know where you're going with this because it definitely feels more of a 
back to that more Western vibe, but it's even more older Western. Like this is this is truly more of a Western movie. I mean, yeah, I'm like, not saying that the first term. I'm not saying that the first Tremors wasn't a Western film because it totally was. But this one feels more like a Western because a it truly Western. is set in the old West. Yes, it is a very pure Western in this case. And and honestly, I think what uh, the way that he uh, that, that he composed the music this time around, it kind of just has a grander feel to it. And oh yeah, there's uh, honestly if they if they ever released an official soundtrack because. Uh, as of right now, the uh, the complete score for, for the first movie finally got released on LaLaLandRecords.com, and I, I totally got a copy. Uh, <laughs> so with uh, if they ever decided to do the sequels, then I would definitely pick those up because, uh, you know, I, I do like the, the themes in uh, Tremors 2, and uh, I kind of have a soft spot for the, for the music in the third one, but if I had to pick one, Definitely the fourth movie. Have any so? I, I guess you kind of answered my question, but so uh, am I right to am I right to assume that none of the scores have been released except for the not movie? at all. Uh, ah, interesting. Because even the first movie, uh, the only soundtrack release it got was, I think uh, it was like a promotional CD for something, and I think only a uh, a couple thousand copies were were released, and probably had like. 10 tracks on them so and it, it was a mix of uh, of both composers and so there was really no uh at least uh if you just had that no clear way to tell whose music was who mm-hmm. and uh but with the new release from la la land records uh for one the music is completely remastered like it it sounds terrific and but what's cool is that it, it's on two discs and it's divided by by the composers so so disc one is uh uh robert or is uh ernest ernest something i i cannot remember the gentleman's name <laughs> and i think robert folk is was the uh second composer that was brought in at the very last minute uh so uh so, so the music is separated so it's kind of an easier way to compare and contrast the their different uh to kind of compare and contrast their stylistic approaches to mm. uh, to the original movie. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've always had a soft spot for the Tremors music. Um, I mean, it's not as, I mean, it doesn't, it's not as memorable as say like anything from John Williams or oh no, it, it def- Elfman, definitely, but it's been. definitely it definitely like is a fun score to listen to. At least that first one, and then when you listen to the other scores, it's, I mean, they're like, they're serviceable. They're fun to listen to, but like, um, yeah, it does suck though, that there's not really official release for those scores. I mean, if you really love those movies and you love the scores, you think that there would be an official release for those music, for the music, but I guess not. I mean, even, even just like a limited release on, on something. Yeah. Uh, Like a little digital release, if anything. Yeah. Like it, at minimum, but mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure probably uh, maybe I'm sure it's a rights it, issue. Probably not even that, because uh, I'm sure if they're going to release it, then uh, they'll have to remaster it, and they probably just don't want to put in the money in in for that right now. Yeah, yeah, especially with because um, I know because I know Tremors. This so th- 
Um, am I right to say? Am I right to believe that this was the last Tremors movie made by Stampede, and then Tremors five through seven are all done by separate by a separate company, and the only one returning yes. was Michael Gross for the entirety. It, exactly, and okay. I think that's part of what makes me appreciate Tremors four a little bit more is okay. it, is the fact that it was the swan song for classic Tremors. I would say. Uh, because it's the last time we we see the graboid in the classic form. Because from five onward, uh, it it it's a redesign, uh-huh. and uh, I I don't hate the redesign. It I, I think it's fine, but I you I do love- miss that old kind of classic feeling that the original, yeah it, exactly that the original I, screen. There's more of a certain charm and charisma. I feel like you get out of these first four and then when you get to the new ones it just it definitely feels more modern and and of the time um at least a, a more current um whereas like i feel something like tremors especially the first tremors that feels almost timeless at least that first one absolutely and i think uh what made the what made these first four movies so appealing to me, especially as a kid, was uh, was just the the world building. Oh yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, no, I love how like you have all these characters and they give so and there's subtle hints to how where the graboids come from. I mean, eventually over time, you see how graboids become graboids, um, how they become shriekers, how they become ass blasters, and then how the ass blasters give birth to the eggs or lay the eggs that become graboids and the cycle repeats. And I love the characters. Uh, I mean, Val and Earl, two greatest sons of bitches on the planet. <laughs> and then yeah, you have right. good old motherfucking Burt Gummer, who's just like, who's all about that critical need to know information. And then I love how they build up the fact. I love how they build up how Hiram, you know, he isn't really, he isn't really Bert. He's more, uh, he's more of a coward and he's far more reserved. And then, and then once we get to the climax, so let's really dig into the climax of this movie. Cause yeah. I think this is where the movie really like, this is where it starts to have a lot more fun with this. Um, and that's where I really started to like really pay attention again. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, this is going to be fun. So I, I love how like Hiram, he hears the telegram about the graboids returning to, or approaching uh, rejection and so he's just like you know what I'm not buying that tick- I'm I'm gonna throw away that ticket to uh, back to Philadelphia I'm getting <laughs> I don't remember all the weapons but like dude he gets a crap ton of weapons and he gets this giant fucking narrow cannon and I love how he uses it to kill one graboid and I'm like this is fucking beautiful you but, missed uh, with a cannon <laughs> You want to talk about how the final graboid is taken out? Because I think that's one of the most memorable moments. Absolutely. In this entire movie. So, so um, do you one, want to tell it off? So for one, uh, kind of kind of like uh, like how we were saying earlier, uh, how this is the final time we see the uh, the classic graboids, and I think I think it's appropriate that it's you you see the whole body, it's doing something crazy. You're seeing, uh, you're seeing a do, uh, or basically try something that you haven't seen to do before, and 
when they basically shove a hook on its ass <laughs> and they, they, they get, get the train going and they just drag that motherfucker back and then as the train gets uh, uh, closer and then boom. Just classic explosion of the Graboid. Guts flying out all over the place. That Those orange blood and gore. Beautiful orange blood that just rains from the sky everywhere oh my it's god fantastic <laughs> that, that never gets old i graboid orange guts man it's very satisfying mm, that's that's um dude that was so fucking uh epic that kill and they're all just like well job done sir well done well done well done well done that's great thank you this was excellent yes 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 and um, so the town slowly comes back together. People are starting to come back. Um, Hiram's learning how to fire his gun. Um, well, actually, I kind of wanted to mention, I want to go back a little bit to Hiram's development. Um, so Hiram, he was kind of a dick to, um, is it Ming Lo? That's the, that's uh, Pyongling Chain's kid. No, no, no. That's his actors. It's, um, no, 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 no. It's Fu Yang. Fu yeah. Yang is, is the kid's name. Um, played by Sam Lee, or I think. Um, but I love how in the beginning, how like Hiram's a complete dictum. He's like, would you like this last piece of gingerbread cake? And he's like, yes, sir. And he's just like, nope. <laughs> and it's like, you have to be, son, you have to learn not to trust anyone or anything. And I love how the kid like plays on that later in the movie, like maybe a, a couple scenes after that. And I'm like, that's nice. I like that. that. That's yeah. Good ponage and it's good payback, bitch. <laughs> Karma, right? Um, and so I love how this kid has really looked up to Hiram um, throughout this movie. And um, I love so like at the end, they're all learning. So it's Hiram. You've got uh, Christine and then you've got um, Fu Yan. They're all firing guns. By the way, we haven't really talked about Christine. Um, I get the. Do you think it? Who do you think Christine is um, related to? I think it might be Nancy and Mindy. Well, then that would make her and Bert uh, related in some way. Do you think so? I mean, if I don't know, because it's I don't know if, if just because she's a redhead, uh, you know, like they're they're trying to uh, make her look. Uh, look like Reba McIntyre a little bit, but you know, obviously, mm. that, obviously that wouldn't make sense because that that'd be fucking disgusting. Well, either way, I do re- I do enjoy her character. She's kind of the I character. Do that really, yeah, I mean, her and Juan are are like really some of the or two of the better characters in this movie. I'm not saying that Hiram and Black Ann Kelly are better either, but by the way, I just love how. Um, so Tacopa, he's a really charming guy. Tacopa is, is outstanding. I, I thought he was going to die man. this entire movie. And I love how like he survives by staying in his, uh, little like statue. <laughs> I love, uh, I love that scene where, uh, right before Hiram is, uh, is about to leave town and they're basically blackmailing him saying like, Hey, if you try to sell that mine, then we're going to tell the press that, mm-hmm. uh, that these, uh, that these dirt dragons are, are around there. And Bud, you can sell it to us. And he's just like, nope, nope. Not, uh, uh, I, I don't understand how you, how you guys could betray me like that. Well, 
Well, we took a vote. Uh, what was it like four to one? Oh, at least one of you has like has a uh, what did you say like decency or something? <laughs> and, uh, and then to cope, I, I don't remember the exact line. Myself. I voted we drop you off a cliff. <laughs> I did, and he, and he just he just smirks. It's like it's like all right. I voted to drop you off a cliff. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good character, but but yeah. Um, the end of this movie, like I said, they're all the three: Hiram, Christine, and Fuyan. They're all firing guns, and like Hiram mentions, how he's gonna build a he's gonna build a, a house on the hill. With a little basement. And I'm like, well, now we know where Bert's house was. Um, how old is that house, though? What? How old is that house? Because because like that would have Let's see. That, so that, 1889. That Bert's house is like almost over 100 years old. So I, so let's see. 2001 is when that house was destroyed. So then 1889. 112 years with remodeling. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> fuck it. Sometimes you just have to say fuck it. Whatever. So here's where I love. This is how I love the ending. So, so obviously Hiram is slowly learning how to enjoy guns, and so Christine has gifted him a Gatlin 50 cal uh, machine gun, and uh, it's that old style um, uh, rotating. Uh, Crank. rotator repeater crank gun and he's just like you can totally tell that michael gross is having a blast firing that thing because it's just like <laughs> i think uh uh because i i know there's a uh i know there's a documentary on uh, the making of this movie and i oh, is it really i didn't I, know yeah this. i i think there's uh i could be wrong but i think I think that was live ammo, and so Michael. Gross, oh, he's just. So, I mean, the way, I mean, obviously, the way he's the way that Michael Gross is smiling, you can tell that is live ammo. Oh, hundred um, percent. I mean, pro- I mean, you can kind of see Christine Lord kind of just going like, "All right, here we go." <laughs> this, <laughs> but yeah, th- oh, dude, that's just a, that's a great way to end it. At least on that note, um, is that like eventually, because of Black and Kelly, Hiram will pass down his his future love of guns or his new enthusiasm for guns down to good old Bert. And we love Hiram as a result and really black and Kelly as a result. But yes, well, what a fun time. Well, I think uh, if you think about it, Tremors is such a straightforward movie and it didn't, it didn't need a prequel uh, because it, it stands, it stands on its own so well, but mm-hmm. The fact that that they did make one and it's as decent as it is, I think, is quite impressive. They uh, uh, I I think they provide a really uh, a really decent backstory to uh, uh, to the town. They uh, it helps give uh, kind of helps you get a larger idea for uh, for Bert. Because it mm-hmm. it kind of makes you think, oh wow, did he did he grow up here? Perhaps, yeah. And and I don't know. It's it's something that I never really had questions about, but being that they presented them, I am a little curious. So, what are your final thoughts? So, um, again, I mean, I I mentioned so I did mention earlier that I was a little bit mixed in the road and. I'm a little bit more positive on this movie, but I'm still kind of like, eh, because I, I don't know. There's just something about the first Tremors that I love and that like 
I appreciate what they're doing here, but I, I don't know. I, again, I love how this is more of a character story. This is that's what ultimately makes this movie work. Uh, it's more about Hiram learning to overcome his fears and his shortcomings to become someone who's going to help stand up for the rest of the town and fight off the graboids. Um, and I, and I love the character. This, the characters make this work. The acting makes it work. Um, the practicals, I cannot emphasize it enough. Practicals are better. Okay. Maybe not better. They're really great, but, um, I mean, I'm not saying that obviously CGI today has evolved so much where it definitely can work and it feels more realistic, but, you long for those days where like you get practicals and it just fucking works so well. And I'm really glad that they brought the practicals back for this. Um, but yeah, overall it's kind of, it, this movie didn't really need to be made, but I like that it's here. It's not really, it's not really something that I'm not sure I would come back to in the future. Maybe, maybe not in the immediate future, but maybe every once in a while I'll be like, huh, Tremors four. I'm kind of interested in watching that again. I mean, obviously I'm more, I'd be more going back to the original Tremors because then again, that's just me. I just love the original Tremors so much. Um, and Tremors two, God, Tremors two. I fucking love that one. That was a fun time. Although I do feel like that's a step down too, but that's just besides the point. Definitely a step better, a step up more than, um, Tremors three in my opinion, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I cannot uh, emphasize this enough um, that Tremors 4 is, it's pretty, it's all right. It's, again, nothing too special, but it's a good, it's a good character-driven story for me. Um, and that's good enough in the long run. But yeah, Tremors 4, uh, yeah, it's not too bad. How about you? So with, um, so when, when it comes to judging, movies like the like the tremor sequels it uh you kind of have to look you have to look at it for what it is and you know what two through four have been are straight to video sequels and if you just look at the long record of bottomless terrible straight to uh straight to video sequels like uh even uh one that comes to mind, like they made like four sequels to Lake Placid for, for the sci-fi channel. Yeah. Don't and, start on that shit. And Tremors four was made for the sci-fi channel because, uh, uh because the TV series, uh, aired, uh, not too long before this movie came out and they could have half-assed this thing in so many ways, especially, especially when it came to the effects because uh-huh. when the, even though uh, I, I really enjoy the TV series, there's so much God awful CGI in it. And I couldn't even imagine it looking good for, uh, for 2003 when it aired. So the fact that they made the, the choice to not only go with practicals, but pretty much make it like 95% of all of your effects focus, I think is extremely commendable. It makes these creatures feel more alive. It adds more, it adds more legitimacy. It makes the danger feel more real. It adds to the tension. It's, mm-hmm. it's what truly brings these creatures to life. 
and and uh, the the fact that uh, that this is Stampede's swan song, basically, to see them go out back back on top after kind of taking a step down in the effects department, I think is uh, is is really wonderful to see. But what I do like is uh, is the fact that it is also making the choice to be more character focused and you know it, it could probably just be due to the uh due to the smaller budget because uh, i think this was five million i i could have that wrong but you know so they probably have to keep their effect sequences a little more limited without compromising the quality of the effects if you try to have too many effect sequences then they'll probably just look like shit but if you use them sparingly and they look great and every single time that they're used, you can leave a larger impression in, in the effects department. So it was all about striking that balance. And I think for the most part, for the most part, they do succeed. And because this movie would have fallen flat on its ass if the characters were not engaging. And the fact that I enjoy watching pretty much all of them and just seeing them interact with each other. Uh, you know, I, the, the Chang family, like they're, they're fun characters. One is, uh, is, is, uh, is, is very likable. Uh, Tacopa, Christine, Black Hand Kelly, all these great characters that you don't mind spending time with when the monsters are not on screen. And I think this is, uh, one of the more underrated entries in, in the series. And if someone doesn't like it just cause the slower pace wasn't for them, I, I totally get it, but kind of as time has gone on, it's grown on me a lot more uh, because I, I remember when I first got it, the uh, actually my, uh, my mom surprised me with it. Uh, cause I didn't even, I didn't even know this movie existed i didn't see any commercials i because I, I think i discovered tremors 3 on like the mummy returns dvd when i rented it from blockbuster because i mm. think uh you know those old universal dvds would have trailers for uh for their upcoming movies and uh so when i got tremors 4 it was actually a two-pack of tremors 4 with the first movie, which I didn't own at the time, and I was probably like nine. So getting DVDs like that, that I would just constantly rent, rent from the video store, and suddenly I have them forever. It's It was extremely exciting. And so I would... Uh, so I, I, I watched Charmers 4 a lot. And so I think it just left that unique impression on me. And how kind of like the first kind of like what the first movie did so well was that normally I would just watch it to see the creatures, but I'm having an equally entertaining time just watching the characters interact. And I think that's what sets Tremors apart overall as as a sci fi monster franchise is that not only do you feel the the stakes when the effects are done right, but you care about the people in peril. And 
overall, I, I think Tremors 4 does a good job with its characters. Michael Gross is able to show off his acting range. Uh, some of his quieter moments are really well are really well performed. Uh, that that small scene where he's reciting a play, I believe, at uh, you know when they when they're burying old Fred, uh, his just the way he delivers his lines, it comes off as so genuine and sincere. And even though you know I love Bert Gummer, but in terms of pure acting and delivering a a three dimensional character performance this might be michael gross's best performance in in the series uh when when it comes to just straight up portraying a character that that has depth and layers to them uh as much as i love burt gummer obviously but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah overall even though i really enjoyed this movie it doesn't have the same rewatch appeal that uh that uh, the the first two have and even for me personally the, the third one to an extent i kind of have to be in the mood to watch tremors 4 but every time i do it's always a very positive experience and i i find i find little details that i appreciate more on on uh, on it on each viewing so it's it's not a perfect movie like i'm not saying that this is an underrated uh, underrated cult masterpiece that you need to seek out right away. In terms of straight to DVD sequels that are now on their fourth installment, it could have been so much fucking worse. I agree. <laughs> and, yeah, and no, the, this is definitely above the grade in my in my opinion. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I would say if you're if you were just looking to watch the original line of films. I don't think you would be wasting your time with any of them. They all, I mean, some are obviously better than others, but they all provide a very unique experience in their own way. And they all have their own individual highlights for, for, for their own different reason. Mm -hmm. So in the end, I would definitely say if, uh, if you're watching all the movies, then yeah, fuck it. Watch part four. You might as well. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh like you said, it's it's a mixed bag, but uh, definitely good moments in in the end. But yeah, so that's Tremors four, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that is no, yeah, that's Tremors four, and that is quite a bit for that. But um, we will be back soon to talk more about Tremors. But in the end, we have other movies to discuss. So. Uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow us on our Instagram page if you haven't yet. Uh, if you listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give this a five star review. It helps find people find our helps people find our show, <laughs> and we show up more in the um, algorithm or whatnot. I guess I think I'm not too positive, but yeah. Thanks for listening again, everybody. So uh, this has been another fine installment of Two Nerdskies and a Podcast. So. For everybody, I'm Eric. I'm Jeff. Stay shiny, everybody. Have a good one. Next level. Next level.